Welcome to another episode of the In the Limelight podcast. I'm Clarissa Burt, founder of In the Limelight Media, where we enlighten, entertain, and educate our listeners. You are tuned in to Bookish Meet the Authors with Megan Humpsteiner. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Bookish Meet the Authors, a creation of Clarissa Burt, founder of In the Limelight Media. I am your show host, Megan Hutsteiner. You'll be able to see this interview on In the Limelight TV, which is distributed on Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, and a hundred other smart TV apps. The audio version of this interview can be heard wherever you listen to your podcast. Today, I am thrilled to introduce my dear friend, Diana. She is a visionary conscious communication leadership consultant who helps leaders and speakers to communicate with confidence and clarity and build relationships that are rooted in trust, collaboration, and cooperation. Her transformational coaching, training, and speaking uses her superpower of creating safe and unconditional spaces to invite individuals and groups to compassionately experience and express all parts of themselves through a lens of loving acceptance, inner wisdom, and relaxation. It is in these states that one can access inspired action and recognize where they can realign to thrive using the tools that allow them to regulate, to communicate, regulate, to collaborate, regulate, to educate, and regulate, to illuminate their hearts and the world. Diana is a five-time international best-selling author, transformational speaker, communication consultant, spiritual somatic coach, mentor, and founder of Anjali Yoga Teaching Academy, where she has trained, coached, and mentored a thousands or thousands of heart-centered leaders. Okay, I gotta take a breath, Diana. <laughs> wow, OMG, that is a lot. You are amazing, and I don't even know where to begin. Like. This is the part where you could jump in and be like, okay, Megan, this is how we start the communication. Where do you go? Like, what wow. is, wow. I... <laughs> First of all, Megan, thank you so much for welcoming me here in this space. In your presence, I always feel so bright and lit up and relaxed. And um, I love that we're matching today. I think there's just beautiful synergy in that. Um, you are my sister from another mister, and I love you to death. So thank you so much. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. I feel the same. feel mm. the same. So where do we begin with all of that? What brought you into this realm? What What is it about communication that you love? Ah, well, my story goes way, way back, and it's been well documented in my books, and my solo book is coming out. It's in my editor's hands now, so I'm hoping to have it in the world by April 1st, and so it's very well documented, but the short story is I was a very exuberant, outgoing, chatty little girl who loved to communicate and to loved, loved to have people like listen to me talk, and then there came a time in my life where my voice was silenced. And my voice was silent and it was met with abuse and neglect and um, lots of trauma. And still there's a part of me that I call it this inner resilience and this inner knowing in me that went ahead and launched and got certified, got a master's degree in communication sciences and disorders and worked for 32 years as a speech language pathologist. So while I was helping other people, mostly children, find access to their voice, because I worked primarily with nonverbal kids and I was a board level consultant, I was starting to find my voice and it came really slow and it came with a lot of imposter syndrome. I'm going to share that with you because I think you might relate to that. 
it came with this, like I was talking to massive groups, like thousands of people, um, ministry level people, like minister of educations, people that I just felt like, oh, I have nothing to say. So I would read my script because that was my comfort level. And then over the years, I started really diving into personal development and spiritual growth. And it's like, it's not, wasn't really a choice. It came to me as a, I must do this. I can't not do this. There's something in me that's absolutely needing to awaken to life itself. And part of that journey has been to reclaim my voice and to use my voice for good in the world. So fast forward now, um, roughly 25 years since I've been on that journey, I have become a conscious communication leadership consultant, which means that I help others to find and access inspired wisdom in themselves so that they can show up authentically with relaxation and access their inspired truth. How that interprets in the real world is I go into schools and I help educational staff to self-regulate so that they can come into classrooms relaxed and recognizing and understanding that they are a miracle as are every one of those kids that they are in charge of. And when we can come from that state, then we start to what we call co-regulate is when I'm relaxed, I now drip that relaxation into the energetic field of the environment I'm in and the kids get to relax. And it doesn't need anything like words like calm down, take a breath, anything like that to the kids by doing it yourself as the adult, you bring that in. I also bring this into corporations where I help organizations to access that relaxed state and to communicate. So the relaxation is a communication of the brain to the body. It goes through the nervous system, which is our communication network. So I help them to learn to communicate with themselves from a relaxed state where they can then communicate better with each other. And the output of that, the outcome is better collaboration, better innovation, better relation, and everybody does better. But we can't do it when we're running around stressed, barking orders, and wanting to control and manage life in a way that's not ours to manage. So that's essentially like in a nutshell, the work that I do. Along the way, I've written some books, um, because I have lots of stories to tell. I am a storyteller. When I get on stages, when I get in front of organizations and communities, I tell stories. And then I bring a lot of neuroscience and the science of group dynamics into the work that I do. I'm a trained um, circle facilitator. And yeah, I could go on for so long. I've had incredible experiences in my life that have awakened me to this. And I've had incredible pain and loss in my life that has awakened me to this. Mm -hmm. And so here I am today. And I'm so happy I get to share some of this information so people can sort of sit back and go, hmm, Maybe I already know that and I needed a reminder today, or maybe this is new information and life is kind of feeling sucky right now. And I need something to remind me or to teach me or to, to, to respond to life in a different way so that I can feel better. Because when we feel better, we do better. And that's why I'm here. Wow. It, it's absolutely phenomenal. I just want to pick your brain all day. So what were, where would you start with somebody? Let's use myself, nervous, don't want to really be seen in public. However, you desire to ha you have a message and you want to speak, but you just don't know how to get past. You have that block. Where would you start with a person like that? Yeah. So the first place I start is by bringing them into their bodies. So we live in our minds. 
most of the time. And we have on average 70,000 thoughts a day and 90% of them are recycled. And 90% of those recycled thoughts are recreating the emotional experience that you had yesterday or the day before or the day before. So let me explain that again. We have a thought. The thought elicits a response in the body. It's called an emotion. And sensations come from that, like tightness, tension, tingling, flutteriness, whatever it might be, is the sensation. When we have a thought today about something from yesterday, the brain doesn't know the difference between something that's real and something that's imagined. A thought is imagined. It's not really happening right now. I'm not in danger right now, but I'm in so much fear about how I'm going to be perceived, what I'm going to say, if I'm going to do it right, that it elicits the fear and it brings up stories of the past and those stories recreate the emotional and sensation, physiological sensations in your body. So essentially, we're recreating the emotions in the past every single day and we're living Groundhog Day. So the first thing I do is I take people out of their thoughts and bring them into their bodies. Now, I also want to preface this by saying I have so much compassion if you're living in your mind, because for 32 years, that's the only place that was safe for me to be. I had expect I had experienced neglect, emotional and um, physical and sexual abuse. And so I disconnected from my body. It's called dissociation. So I lived really successfully in this space of my mind. Thankfully, because it let me go to graduate school. It let me have a super successful career as a speech language, speech and language pathologist. And then when I was 32, a friend of mine's husband said something to her about me. And it hit me really, really hard as a truth bomb. He said, Diana is so incredible. She's accomplished. She's professional. She's such a great mom. But she's an ice queen. And when he said that, I looked at myself and I said, where is he right? I didn't defend. I didn't deflect. I didn't ignore. Where is he right? And that started me on my journey of starting to practice meditation, energy work, yoga, which for me was the big change in my life because yoga made me stay in my body. Yoga made me stay in my breath. And I had to feel everything that I was feeling, all the resistances, all the discomforts and all the joy and openness. So I went on this incredible life journey through yoga. And now I do something a little bit different. I still do yoga, but I also do embodiment practices that aren't just structured like yoga. So yoga, you hold the pose. Now, the wonderful thing about that is sometimes in life, we have to hold the pose. When we want to cut and run, what we need to do is hold the pose. Like life can get tough. And how do you stay present to life when it's getting tough and you have no control and it's not going your way? I had went through a personal bankruptcy in 2012. That was 2014. That was really hard. And a cut and run in that might have been literally taking my life. And I learned to hold the pose. I continued to breathe. My mantra is breathe and everything changes. And eventually I came out of that darkness and was able to see the light again through the practices that I do. So I bring people into their body. And the one thing that's so important is to feel your breath. Now, the thing is the neurophysiology of breath is really important here. One breath is an entire meditation, Eckhart Tolle tells us. One breath can change your entire neurophysiology. It can take you from the response of stress, fight, flight, freeze, 
to something a little bit calmer. And I describe it like a seesaw. You have the stress responses. And by the way, today we are running on stress. We are addicted to stress and we don't know how to put it down. And we have so many stressors. And I say this with so much compassion. And this is a just like me movement. Okay, we all have stresses, but the stresses accumulate and we don't necessarily have practices to be able to put down the stresses. And so they accumulate and we hold them in our bodies. These are the physiological responses. And the body responses to stress are heightened heart rate, elevated blood pressure, inflammation. You know, we want to talk about health and well-being. How are you managing your stresses? Gut issues, all kinds of physiological responses to stress. Now, if we make our, and 90% of illness comes from stress, you probably know this, Megan, right? Mm -hmm. So the thing is, if we can make ourselves sick, we can make ourselves better. And so here we have stress and here we have what we call the feel good hormones or chemicals or neuro, neuro, um, the chemicals of the body. And then we have to start balancing by bringing up the good chemicals, which then reduces the stressful chemicals. And when you do that, you slow down your heart rate. You increase your ability to rest and digest. You reduce your blood pressure. The entire physiology of the body works better. We become more able to access the part of our brain that's relational so we can get along with people better. We can be more patient and compassionate in our hearts. So we have choices. And I know it's hard to hear this when you're in the middle of stress, like when I was going through my bankruptcy and I just hid in my room and covered my head for days. It was hard for me to hear someone say this, but I knew it in my bones to be true. And I'm going to say it here is every single day, we have a choice to take a chance to create a change and nothing changes until something changes. So if you want to feel better, you have to do something different. You have to elevate the chemicals that make you feel better. That's dopamine, serotonin, endorphins, oxytocin. And there's easy ways to do that. Like a, a quick little list is go outside every day, get some vitamin D. Exercise every day. Your body needs that and the chemicals that get released will make you feel better. Find someone to hug or connect with every day. That's super important. And if you don't have someone to hug, hug yourself. Mm -hmm. So important. And then um, dopamine is the, um, is the response. So those were all ways to access serotonin, uh, oxytocin, and, and um, just drew a blank there. And dopamine is the reward, um, the reward chemical in our body. And Today, we are very addicted to rewards, but not necessarily the best rewards, right? We're addicted to how many people we friend on social media, how many people view our videos and all that stuff. How much attention can we get? How, much, how many lights can we have on us? So there is a need to reset. And that's why my program is called Realign to Thrive, because we can realign, we can reset, and we can thrive. And I'm going to put a little bit of a disclaimer here. Thriving doesn't mean you're going to be happy all the time. Because in 2020, my husband left, my father died, my cat died, and my daughter moved across the country in Canada. I wasn't happy. I couldn't be happy. I was really, really sad. I was dealing with really deep, dark grief. 
what I did is recognize that I could find contentment in my grief without needing to make it wrong, bad, different, numbed, push it away. So it wasn't happiness. My goal in that moment was, can I be content with whatever comes up? And that's what I call joy, the umbrella under which all emotions fall. Grief, anger, happiness, jealousy, excitement, enthusiasm, all the different emotional states fall under the umbrella of joy and joy meaning that when you can bring loving presence to it all without trying to push it away, you get to bring a sense of relaxation in your body. And that relaxation helps you to access what it is that brings you more content feelings. Now, coming back to your question, Megan, mm -hmm. what do I do with you? Right? I give you a big hug, first of all, because I want to <laughs> give you a hit of oxytocin and let you feel super connected. I'm a hugger. I'll take I it. Know. Me too. <laughs> um, I would bring you in your body and I would say that nervousness that you're feeling, that you labeled as nervousness from your brain, your brain labeled nervousness, what does it feel like in your body? And go there and just touch that place in your body for 20 seconds. Feel it. Label it. I'm aware that my stomach feels jittery. And then take a breath and we breathe in through the nose. And we exhale with a sound of ha, ha. And that deepens the relaxation response through the vagus nerve activation. So I would take you into your body and have you identify the places in your body that are feeling discomfort, pain, resistance, whatever it is, and the places in your body that are feeling joy, or let's not use joy, let's use openness, spaciousness, contentment. And what happens, and the research shows us, is that within 90 seconds, of identifying a sensation in the body, the sensation can start to dissolve. It starts to morph, it starts to change. Nothing changes until something changes. We can sit in the resistance of it. I'm so nervous, I'm so nervous, I'm so nervous, I'm so nervous. Or we could stop the flow of that thought, right? Stop the cessation of the thoughts and um, move into the body and say, oh, I'm aware that my palms are sweaty. No judgment, no need to change it, just breathe. <sighs> it's interesting you keep talking about breath because I keep catching myself not breathing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm breathing. Breath but is the number one, breath, breath work is my number one go-to when I need to remember to be in the present moment. And of course, we're always breathing, right? We're just these miracles and the body knows how to function to keep us alive. What a blessing, right? Remember you're a miracle. Mm -hmm. There's a one in 400 billion chances that any one of us would be here today and you made the cut. And for that reason, you are a miracle. And so is everybody else. The people who betrayed you, the people who broke your heart, the people who hurt you, and the people who just like pissed you off 10 minutes ago because they cut you off on the highway. So the, the, the medicine is always to go back to the breath, first and foremost. Don't try to push the thoughts away. Don't try to change them. People who are so stuck in mindset practices, this is not a mindset practice. This is an embodiment practice. And it's a bottom-up approach because you can try to change your mind as much as you can. And every time you do that, you're creating more resistance. And the resistance is held in the body and it makes it tighter, more tense. Does that make sense? Yes. Mm -hmm. So breath, 
because I, I'm a, I'm a mind person. I mm-hmm. love the mind and how it works. It's just like, it's so invigorating to like understand it and try to, um, I guess what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, oh, well, overcome it, conquer it. I want to conquer it. That's mm-hmm. what I'm so with you saying that I do often forget the body because I'm like, I'll figure this out. I'll, I'll manipulate my mind to think a different way. And so what I'm hearing from you is that you would initially start with the body to calm it down because of the neurological connection that it creates to allow the mind to then focus and essentially break it down a lot better. That's maybe good go into yeah so the realign the realign in my realign to thrive practice the r stands for remember remember who you are i told you you're a miracle that is never going to change the conditions that had to be set up with whatever the god of your understanding is that created the conditions for you to be here today that your parents had to meet and their parents had to meet and their parents had to meet and just the right egg and the right sperm had to connect holy cow, you're a miracle, right? Yeah. (laughs) And my hope is that as you hear that, you can feel tingly all over because it's so true. You're a miracle and your essential nature is goodness in your heart. That's what the R allows us to remember. It doesn't matter what we've done that's really been, you know, not great. It doesn't matter what others have done to us. We do have this essential goodness in our hearts. We forget when we get stressed, when we get hurt, when life gets difficult. And then we move into the mind and we try to control. That's what you mentioned, right? You mentioned the manipulation. I'm going to try to manipulate life. Well, life has its own beautiful pulsation of breath. And our job is to flow with it. And it's not that we don't show up. Like I spent like, I think eight, I I don't work hard ever. I don't believe in work hard. Working hard just makes me tired. And when I'm tired, I can't be as creative. But yesterday I worked like a 12 hour day, which is so unusual for me. And I love everything that I do. It was a lot of podcasts. There were some live events. I had to get a website done in one day at the same time. And I am, um, I'm tired today. I'm tired today. So today I'm pulsing with life. I'm taking it a little bit slower. I'm moving slower. I stayed in bed a little bit longer, right? I have I know I I feel like I have a, I I want to acknowledge that I have the privilege to be able to do that. Not everybody does. So the R is to remember that no matter what, you are essentially a miracle. The E is to explore your body and notice the sensations and just go like to four or five places. Like right now, if I say to you, what does it feel like, Megan? And anyone listening, what does it feel like to live in the sole of your right foot? What are the sensations? So Megan, I know you went into your thoughts because I saw your eyes go up to the right. You're thinking. Mm-hmm. So go down to your foot. Bring your awareness down to your right foot. Right. Feel it on the ground. What does it feel like? And some sensations that might show up there are things like tingly, warm, heavy, light, um, sweaty, cool. Do you have a word that you might pull up? I would say warm because it's inside of a blanket. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) I can feel it and it feels light and warm. Beautiful. Beautiful. So notice how Megan, you didn't make a story. You kind of started to do a story, but then you dropped it. It feels warm because it's wrapped in a blanket. The because it's wrapped in the blanket is the story. The mind absolutely wants to be part of this conversation and it doesn't belong in this moment. But we're so conditioned 
to the mind, being in the conversation all the time that we don't even realize it's there. So let's give you another task. What does it feel like right now, Megan, to live in your right shoulder? Do I be truthful? A little yeah. bit. Yeah, total truth. Achy. Okay. So yeah. you could say this, I'm aware that my right shoulder is achy. I'm aware that my right shoulder is achy. Now take a deep breath. Exhale. And I'll place a hand on your heart center. This is above your breastbone, between your collarbones, spreading wide. Push a little bit on your hand into your heart space and ask your heart, what does it feel like to live here? And it's right here and now. It's not yesterday or this morning when my kiddo hugged me. It's like right now, what does that feel like? And some language that comes up often for the heart might be things like spacious, warm, tight, dark, bright. What does it feel like to live in your heart, Megan? Tight. Take a breath. That's good. Take a breath. And notice how when you don't put a judgment on it, which is what the mind does, it's tight, which means I must feel this. Just feel the sensation. I'm going to ask you to go back to your right shoulder now. How does it feel to live in your right shoulder right now? It actually feels kind of relaxed. Yes. Good. Good. So remember, we can create a lot of suffering and a lot of pain and illness in our bodies. And we also have the capacity to heal. And it doesn't take more than 60 seconds. Breath work is one of the most critical ways to be able to oxygenate your body, to be able to change the neurotransmitters or the chemicals or hormones in your body, to be able to open up, let's say this, the portal to your prefrontal cortex, which is your genius part of your body. When you're under stress, you can't think clearly. You can't make good decisions. You can't access your memory and you can't communicate relationally. So breath work is my number one practice every day. And it's what I do with my clients. It's what I do with my corporate clients. It's what I do with my schools. It's what I do with my healthcare clients. It's the number one practice. And there's lots of different ones, but today we've just done this one, which is an audible exhalation. And it's, it's toning the vagus nerve, which runs from the brainstem to the gut, which helps to increase digestion. Let's talk about health and helps to increase parasympathetic nervous system response, which is our calming nervous system. And then when we do that, we start separating a little bit from the thoughts. And it's not that thoughts are ever going to stop, not until we die, or unless we live in an ashram and we never have to do anything for ourselves. Meditation isn't about stilling your thoughts. It's about observing the thoughts that are coming through. So we start in the body, breath, body sensations, and then notice what thoughts pop up. And you can even ask yourself, is that thought real? How do I feel when I have that thought? What if I was to just let that thought go? Like not grasp it, not let it identify me, not make it real. Because as soon as we make it real, we recreate the emotions and the physiological sensations of the past. And it's no wonder that people are walking around super stressed today. And if you don't feel like you need to do this for yourself, make a commitment today to do it for your kids. 
because we inherit our responses to stress. We inherit our responses to life. And so what I always say when I'm in live events, I have people put up their hand and say, today it stops here. Today, I'm going to choose to bring a different relationship to my stress, to my body, to my mind, and to my life, because there are little eyes watching, mm. feeling, and learning through everything that you do. My mom dealt with stress by taking a sedative that kept her unconscious most of my childhood. My dad dealt with stress by drinking and overworking. Those are ways people manage stress. Mm -hmm. I made a very conscious choice. That I was going to have a different relationship to stress in life. And, you know, the universe, God of your understanding has given me lots of opportunities to practice in some of the most difficult times of my life. And here I am and I can smile and I can feel relaxed. And I believe that everything that I've gone through has been for the awakening of my soul. That's absolutely beautiful. I would love while I have you here to pick your mind on a situation that I felt last night where I couldn't understand where like this heaviness and this anxiety was coming from because all said and done, I'm a, I'm a very positive person. I like to think that I am always the glass half full. I mean, I could get through anything. Yes, I might be absolutely scared out of my wits, but that's when I know I need to make a move. That said, I was plagued with this, just like, it felt almost dark where I, like something just came over me. I'm like, where is this coming from? And I couldn't figure it out. I didn't sleep while I woke up at like two hours earlier than I normally would. And I sat there and I just went through my mind. And I was like, I need to get out of this thought. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. But I went through this practice where I just said everything I was grateful for. And I got up today and it was, it's been a pretty darn good day. However, it's really interesting. I want to pinpoint what that was. How did it come about? Like, how could I have prevented it? Like, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. So first of all, I want to congratulate you for turning to a gratitude practice because the, the realign R-E-A-L is the embodiment practice. I is what is the inspired wisdom or pop-up that comes up when you say from a relaxed state, what does my heart want me to know right now? So we didn't go through that together, but it's an inquiry that I do with my clients. What does your heart want you to know? Or what does your higher self want you to know? Or what does your God want you to know right now? And then the G is gratitude. Now here's the difference, Megan. Notice how the G is at the end of realign. The N is the last letter, but G is at the bottom. We go through the body before we go into gratitude. Because what happens is gratitude, although has some very positive impact on the body, and on the body brain connection and gratitude can help to flood you with some of the really good feel good um, neurotransmitters or chemicals. So it's a good practice. What happens when we go to gratitude is we bypass the body. So we went right there, created the feel good responses because my brain wants to feel good. And it's great that you did that because it's a beautiful coping strategy. But at some point, your body's going to say, what about me? What here are you not willing to touch? And the thing is, we know through the research that if we numb one emotion, we numb all emotions. We are meant to feel a big spectrum of emotional energetic experiences in life, but we don't want to feel the pain. So we numb the biggest enthusiastic ecstasy or bliss. And so when you start feeling a little bit of the, oh yeah, that shoulder is sore. 
then we start feeling more joy or more excitement to life. Last night, one of the women that was in the group that I was training um, said she came in feeling really good. I said, great. Then I had her feel her heart. And she said her, her heart felt spacious, but as soon as she softened into that space, so she's in her body now, she noticed how tense her shoulders were and almost like painfully tense. When you can start to relax in your body, other things will come up that are uncomfortable. And part of the practice is to stay there and breathe and not cut and run, try to justify or go right to gratitude because that's a bypass. So it's a good strategy. You know what other people do? They drink, they smoke weed, they eat, they, they, they overindulge in Netflix, they scroll on social media. So gratitude is a fantastic practice. I love it. What caused it? I don't think is an important question. I think the more important question is, what can I do about it when it happens again? Because it will. Remember, we have cumulative stresses. And anxiety is a physiological response to cumulative stresses from the past and fears of the future. You could ask yourself, why did this happen? And you could open up a whole Pandora box of decades of processing that needs to happen. Instead, if you go in your body and you just say, what does my body need me to feel right now? Now, here's a few other strategies for anxiety. And so listeners can take note of this. Wiggle your toes. That's a way of moving into your body. So breathe, wiggle your toes, identify the parts of your body. We are made up of so many parts, but here's what happens. We don't know that we forget. And so we identify with just the thought that the mind creates, which is I am anxious. I am angry. I am sad. And we identify with the I am statement. This is who we are. So let's stop that today and just say, oh, I'm aware that my belly is really feeling like churning right now. Hmm. Take a breath. And I really encourage people to practice this. And I'll put a, um, I'll put a free practice on my website so people can go and, and download it, um, have it sent to you. So wiggle your toes, breathe. Try to stay in your body, go outside, do something different. So if you're sitting in your room and you feel anxiety overcoming you, and I know that feeling, by the way, so like I experienced it and panic attacks. I know that feeling something, nothing changes until something changes. So you can sit in it. Or in that case, if it's almost like an SOS, like I got to change something quick, go outside, run, Feel the air on your skin. Go count how many books are on your bookshelf. Do something different that does make your mind and your body a little bit busier. And then come back to the breath and feeling the body. Because once you get into that state that's got you locked in your mind of anxiety or panic, it's really hard to come out of it unless you do something different. And then what I'm suggesting today, all these practices I'm suggesting, they're daily practices. They're not just practices that we call upon when we're feeling tense or anxious. It's like, if you do it every day, go into your body, do this realignment practice, you are learning to self-regulate. And then when your kid comes home and has a temper tantrum, you're going to know how to stay calm. And in your calmness, you're going to teach them how to stay calm. You don't even have to say anything to them. You just do it yourself. And that's what we call co-regulation. And we get to do it for each other. Let me tell you one final story. There is um, a chemical that is that comes that gets um, 
develops in a peach and other fruit. It's called ethylene. And it's the chemical that allows the peach to ripen and to become really juicy. Once a peach gets stimulated with this chemical of ethylene, the most incredible thing happens. It starts to spread the chemical composition to the other peaches in its environment. So they start to stimulate their ripening response and juiciness. We do this work, self-regulation, so that we can help others and co-regulate. We do this for us, but truly we're not here just for us. We do it for each other. And if we all could do that, there would be no wars, Megan. There would be no nasty divorces. There would be no weaponized hearts. We would all be here and see the divinity and the humanity that we all get to walk this earth with. And life would be a whole lot easier. You're, you're absolutely amazing. I, I, I feel such a, uh, a, truly an honor. Like I knew you, I've seen you, but you just taken this to a whole nother level of love. And it makes me want to share so much more of what you're doing. You said that you're going to have a practice that you're going to share. Where mm -hmm. else can people find you and learn from you? How would we contact you? Thank you. So if you go to my website, dianalockett.com, you'll have a, there's a contact me form. You can contact me there. Mm -hmm. Um, my web person was redesigning my website yesterday. So depending on when this airs, it, the, I'll make sure the practice is up there and take this practice and do it every day before you get out of bed. For those of you listening who have the habit of picking up your phones the minute you wake up, let me tell you, your stress response is, you're not going to do this after hearing this, Megan, your stress responses in the morning are very high. We measure it by cortisol. Your cortisol levels are high in the morning. That's what lets your body wake up. It's a good thing, right? Our stress responses aren't bad. They're very helpful. They help us avoid hitting things when they jump in front of our car. They help us get work done quickly when we need to get work done quickly, but they're not taking breaks anymore. So when you wake up, you're, you want your cortisol to be higher because that's what helps your body wake up. When you go to sleep, your melatonin is high. That's what lets you go to sleep. But as soon as you pick up your phone, you're elevating those already elevated cortisol levels. And the research shows that the stress that you start your day with, and stress could be social media, news, getting an email that just like jerks you somehow. So you're elevating your cortisol levels that are already elevated. And the research shows that eight hours later, that is still running through your system as if it's happening now. And when I talk to people, adults, usually they tell me it's not just eight hours, it's eight years. I get it. So when you do these practices, and a lot of it's through the research of HeartMath Institute, when you do these practices, you can start to reduce that cortisol stress level to eight minutes from eight hours. So do me a favor. First thing in the morning, don't pick up your phone. Put it down. Do your realignment practice. Take 10 deep breaths. Feel your body in your bed. Feel yourself relax even more. And then trust that whatever's on your phone will still be there. It's a hard addiction to break. I know but it's so important for your stress levels. So contact me, dianalockett.com. My passion right now is to impact 4 million kids in Canada who are in our educational system by impacting their educational staff. 
I want to bring this into the States. I want to bring this around the world because we need to do this. We need it for ourselves and we need it for our kids. Something has to change that I know. This idea of push, 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 accumulate, like try to control, take it into the body, illnesses. We go to the healthcare, we ask for a quick fix pill. We have to end that cycle. We have to take radical self-responsibility and create changes in the world. And so my focus is primarily in education, schools, school boards, support staff, and, and parents as well, and um, corporations in healthcare I do work with as well. And I do a little bit of one-to-one -one coaching. Um, I don't have tons of time for that, but I still do it um, depending on who my client is. And usually it's no more than three months. Like if I don't make a change in your life in three months, we're, we're not meant to work together. Usually it's in one or two sessions, by the way, but, but I give them three months because then we can really reinforce the practices in the body. I mean, I don't have to ask any questions. You've answered all of them. I'm like, well, uh, and then you answered it. Uh, you're so amazing. Thank you so much, Diana. I really, I would love to interview you again and do like another segue into something else. Um, so thank you so much, everybody, you know, where to find Diana and um, until next time. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bookish Meet the Authors here on the In the Limelight Podcast Network, where we enlighten, entertain, and educate our listeners. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe, and don't forget to tell your friends.